Good morning. We are glad you're here. And as we think about Power Up Clubs and Power Surge, God working in this community, I want us to remember that uh, we have a team in India right now, and we also have a team that left for the Philippines yesterday. And so God is not only working here, he's been working in Peru, he's working in India, Philippines. God is at work everywhere. And the reality of that is that we talk about it here at the chapel that all of us are on a journey. And our hope at the chapel is to help you on your journey grow into what we call fully devoted, spirit-empowered Christ followers. And so every one of us is a unique place in that journey. Do you have a sense of where you are in your journey? Because Part of that journey towards fully devoted, spirit-empowered Christ-following is, is what we call three essentials, that, that we would be, first of all, relationally connected, that we are not intended to be in this alone. And the, and the last thing we really want is for folks to just come to the chapel, participate in a big setting like this, and never end up in relationship with other folks who could spur them on, encourage them, pray for them. And you have mutual encouragement that, that God has made us not only a big body, but a family. So are you racial, relationally connected to anybody? If not, that's something that we would really love to help you with. And then to be biblically equipped so that the word of God would not just be something you look at on Sunday morning but the word of God would become the foundation upon which you would live your life, that this would inform your relationships, this would inform your decisions, so that we could, like we're doing in this community in India and the Philippines, that we could be making an impact locally and globally. And so, really, what we do here is an important part of growing as fully devoted, spirit-empowered Christ followers. But it's as important as it is on Sunday morning, it doesn't stop here. So I hope this is a good start for you, but don't let it stop here because we're on a journey. And I want us to understand this. The disciples that we're looking at in the Gospel of Mark were on a journey, and they're three years in. You ever think about it that way? They're adults, but they're three years into their journey with Jesus. How long has your journey been? They're three years in, and what we're going to look at this morning, they're going to look in hindsight and realize that this encounter began the dramatic change in their journey with Jesus. Because Mark 11, which we're going to look at this morning, is the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. In other words, they have no idea... But in the next week, things are going to radically change. But the funny thing about radical change like that is we rarely see it coming. See, you got out of bed this morning and you wandered in here and you participated. And maybe you sang a little bit. Maybe you didn't. You thought about Jesus during the Lord's Supper. Maybe you read your bulletin. Maybe you were texting. But, but you're kind of here, and now we're getting into the sermons, and you're settled into your seat. But if you knew that in seven days, your life was going to take a radical hard left turn, would you be on your seat a little bit, to, the edge of your seat a little bit more this morning? Would you listen with a, a, see, we all would. It's just we rarely know when those turns are coming until, whack, they hit us. But... 
I hope that by the time we finish this morning, you'll have a far greater sense of whether there's a sharp left turn in seven days in your life or not. You will, and I will, live with what I want us to simply say this, divine expectancy in every single day. That's what I think we're going to see in the text. That you and I have the privilege to live with a divine expectancy in every single day. Whether we know the the turn is coming or not. So, this encounter of the triumphal entry, we're going to actually take three weeks to look at. Because, here's the reason. Because when Jesus enters Jerusalem... He enters in a way that verbally and visually he gets elevated as savior and king. And I am super challenged to ask myself this question from this text. What would it mean for us to elevate Jesus in our city in that same way? In in a manner in which We would live lives so that people would verbally hear and visually see Jesus get lifted up in this city in a way that he got lifted up in Jerusalem. So let's look at the encounter. We're going to read the whole encounter. It starts in, we're going to look at it in Mark. Then Luke tells us something that Mark doesn't. And then Matthew adds something that neither Luke or Mark speak about. So we're going to finish just that. We're going to look at the whole thing. And then we're going to come back and focus this morning in the first six verses. So if you have a Bible, start with me in Mark 11. And then I'll tell you, look up here and we'll all look at Luke together. All right. So Mark 11. As they approached Jerusalem, that's Jesus and his disciples, at Bethpage and Bethany, near the Mount of Olives, he sent two, so two of the 12 of his disciples, and he said to those two, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately as you enter it, you'll find a colt tied there, on which no one yet has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? You say, the Lord has need of it, and immediately he will send it back here. So they went away, found a colt, tied at the door, outside in the street, and they untied it. Guess what happened? Some bystanders were saying to him, hey, What are you doing untying the colts? So what do they say? They spoke to them just as Jesus told them, and they gave them permission, just like Jesus said they would. So they brought the colt to Jesus and put their coats on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their coats in the road, and others spread leafy branches which they had cut from the fields. And those who went in front and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna. In the highest. Now look up here, because Luke adds this. Oh, Luke adds, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Rebuke them for what? For saying what they were saying. Hosanna, blessed is he who's coming to for identifying Jesus as Messiah. Tell them, stop it. And Jesus says, I tell you, if those become silent, if they shut up, the rocks will cry it out. When he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city, and and then he wept over it. You know why? He wept because he said, if you had known in this day, even you, the things which make for peace, but now they've been hidden 
If you had seen it, but now it's hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will throw up a barricade against you and surround you and hem you in on every side. And they will level you to the ground and your children within you. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. That's why he wept. And then Matthew tells us, when he had entered Jerusalem, all the city was stirred, saying, who is this? Can I give a vision for us? What if we verbally and visually live lives that proclaimed, elevated Jesus in Jacksonville as Savior, Hosanna, and King, so that people in this city genuinely went, who is this Jesus? See, there's a manner in which you and I can live that cultivates people's curiosity. So let me say something that may be a little ouchy. It's easy for the church to look at the world and go, what's wrong with people? But maybe, maybe we should be going, what's wrong with us? What's wrong with us that this city isn't crying out, who is this Jesus that you elevate as Savior and King? So from this passage this morning, the first six verses, I want us to specifically look at the sovereign rule of God as part of elevating Jesus in this city. The sovereign rule of God that is so clearly demonstrated in the first six verses. Go back to what those first six verses tell us. Because in them, Jesus tells, us, tells them specifically a number of things. He tells them where to go, to a village nearby, and what they're going to find and what they find. A colt. And what about the colt? Tied up. So what are they supposed to do? They're supposed to untie it. And he says, when you untie it, then here's what people are going to say. And when they say that to you, here's how you should respond. And when they say that and you say this, they'll say, go for it. And you see the, the sovereign rule of God. Now, Let me ask you this question. Is the sovereign rule of God revealed in the details of that day? This is really important. Is his sovereign rule revealed in that day? Do this and this and you'll find this and then you say this and they'll say that and this will happen. Is that sovereign rule limited to that day? Is God's sovereign rule limited to just that day? Well, you seem bashful. Maybe you think I'm setting you up. (laughs) Don't be bashful. When it comes to the sovereign rule of God over that day, it's not unique to that day. So, key question. What's the difference? What was unique to that day versus other days? If it's not limited to that day, what was unique about that day? 
simply this. They were given a verbal preview before it happened. Right? God's sovereign rule rules over every single day. It's just that day they got a preview. So let me ask you, and it may require me saying it twice. Did the things happen that day because Jesus said it was going to happen that way? Or did Jesus say that it was going to happen that way because it was going to happen that day? First or second? Second, absolutely. Jesus didn't go, oh, it's going to happen this way. And they went, okay, we got to do it that way. No, Jesus said it was going to happen that way because it was going to happen to that, that way. So it was true that day. Is this day going to unfold according to God's sovereign rule? What's the difference between today and that day? None of you got a preview, right? How, how awesome if, if before you were walking into church and, and Jesus is in the foyer. If he is, we should stop balls and go talk to him. But, but if he was there and he said to you, hey, hey, Dan, come over here. After church, I want you to go to this restaurant. And I want you to go to the cashier and I want you to say this. And the cashier's going to say this. And then you're going to say that. And they're going to go, oh, thank you. Would you be excited to go to that restaurant today? Yeah, absolutely. Just to see if it happened. And then when it did happen, you would go, wow, that was phenomenal. Jesus said this was going to happen, and then it all happened. I'm telling you, folks, the only difference between today and that day is they got a preview. He could tell us every day exactly what was going to happen in advance. He just hasn't. But we get this idea when moments like this happen. Oh, wow, what a phenomenal day. Actually, you with me? I don't think it was any more phenomenal than today. They just got a preview. And we don't. But our days are going to unfold according to God's sovereign rule, just like that day. So therefore, we should, because Jesus has demonstrated on that day his sovereign rule, we can then begin to go, I'm going to participate in elevating Jesus in Jacksonville with this assurance that his rule extends to the every detail of every one of my days. Capture that. That the preview was awesome. It made it really cool to see it unfold. But folks... Your day is going to unfold according to God's sovereign rule. You just didn't get the preview. But what a privilege to live in it. No less of a privilege for Dan to go to the restaurant today and go, I'm going to speak to the person who waits on me and see how they respond. And then I'm going to speak to them and see what God has in store. In fact, our adventure every detail might be actually cooler than their adventure. Because this is true, because the sovereign rule of God extends to every detail of every day of my life, there is no such thing as, hey, man, luckily, 
Luckily, this person walked in. I didn't plan it that way. It was just by chance they showed up. Really? You believe that junk? I don't believe that junk. I don't believe that luckily or, or by chance or accidentally or coincidentally. I don't believe that. And so, uh, I almost put trash cans, big trash cans at our exit doors today. Because we need to discard our shrunken God. We need to throw something out on the way out this morning. And what we need to throw out on the way out this morning is this whole idea that every once in a while, God has this unique, he just lines up the details. And I look and I go, wow. But, but you know, I only get a few days of those in my life. It's just not true. Every detail of every day of those of you who sit in this room is under the sovereign rule of God. It's awesome. Let me show you. Maybe this will, will help you. There is, in life, I think, some dotted lines and then some what I'll call impenetrable walls. When it comes to what God's will is, he has a declared will. Meaning, like the scripture says, this is the will of God, that you abstain from sexual immorality. This is the will of God, that all who are in Christ Jesus give thanks in all things. That is not a fuzzy, it's a declared, clear will of God. Question, can you live outside of that will and grumble and cheat on your spouse? Can you? Yes or no? Yeah, that's why I have a dotted line above and below the declared will of God. Not because it's fuzzy, not because God is nebulous. It's clear. It's just you and I can live outside of it. When we live outside of the declared will of God, we still remain in what I would call the sovereign will of God. But I can never, Though I can live outside the declared will of God, I can never make a decision. I can never make a choice. I can never end up someday, some night, some week outside of the sovereign will of God. Those are an impenetrable wall that, if you will, the sovereign will of God. You and I can't live outside of it. Nothing no decision you would ever make, nothing would ever happen on the planet that God would go, what? What? What'd you do? Yes, outside the declared will, never outside the sovereign will. Psalm 139. Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You understand my thought from afar. God doesn't have to get into your head. He can, he can from a distance know your thoughts. Like that thought you're having right now. And yours. Isn't that weird? He knows it. Every single one of our thoughts How's he keep track? 
He knows our thoughts from afar. Uh, he, he goes on, you scrutinize my path and my lying down and are intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there's a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all. That conversation you're going to have tonight, he knows it. I haven't said it yet. I don't even know what I'm going to say. He does. Phenomenal, yes. Yeah, look what the psalmist says. You've enclosed me in before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too, I can't attain it. I can't figure it out. I I can't chart it. I don't know how that works. And folks, whatever we believe, we should know this. If we can't understand it, it's not true. So that's absurd. It's absolute foolish. What if, you're, what if your little five-year-old said to you, Daddy, I don't understand it. It's not true. What would you, what would you say to him? Son, there's just some things you don't know yet. But when you get older, you're going to understand. You know what? The eternal father goes, some things you don't understand. Folks, this shouldn't freak us out. This should cause us to worship like mad. That's why we declared this morning, great are you, Lord, far greater than I can fathom. He goes on, verse 16. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance. Do you see the unformed substance? And in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me when as yet there was not one of them. I have this intense desire for me and for you that the sovereign rule of God in every detail of every day of our life would create such a divine expectancy. God's at work here. I don't know yet. I don't know how. But he is at work. Let me show it to you even more specifically. Back to the text. Jesus says to to the two, if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? You say, the Lord has need of it. And immediately he'll send it back here. So they went away and found a colt tied at the door outside in the street and they untied it. And some of the bystanders were saying, hey, what are you doing? Untying the colt. And they spoke to them just as Jesus told them, and they gave them permission. You know that as followers of Jesus who want to lift up Jesus, elevate Jesus in this city, you and I can have an absolute confidence in this. Two questions. Is the sovereign rule of God revealed in that conversation? You say this, they'll say that, you say this. Is it revealed in that, limited to that conversation? Now, I hope you're catching on. (laughs) Absolutely not. He knew the words before you spoke them. So, what was the difference between that day and uh, that conversation and the rest of our conversations? What's the difference? Only difference. They got a preview. And most of us don't get conversations previewed for us. Wouldn't that be helpful? I mean, if you're married, wouldn't that be helpful? You're going to say this. She's going to say that. I'm going to say that, Lord. That doesn't seem like a good idea. It's not, but you're going to say it. 
<laughs> That's the way that would go down. Because we're all on a journey. And you're going to say that and it's going to take a journey. Really? Yeah. Every conversation. You see, we live with this as disciples of Jesus. This confident assurance that the sovereign rule of God includes every, every conversation. And so, there's this divine expectancy that now happens with every conversation. And here's why. If we go back to the text, it started in verse 2. Go into the village opposite you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there on which no one yet has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. Now, who does he say this to? Do you remember? Which of his disciples? It doesn't name them. It just says two of them. So two of the 12 get sent on a journey to have to run an errand. Now, I didn't have 12 kids, but God gave me six. And I know what it was like to assign one or two of them something to do when the others didn't have to do it. What's that, what's that, how's that always go down? Why me? Why does they have to do it? So, I need you to go down, four houses down. I know you haven't met him, but I talked to the guy. He's got a hedge trimmer. I want you to go ask him for it. Dad, seriously? Awkward. Can, can I do something else? <laughs> My brother, he's a lot better at talking to people. Why don't you send him? Now, I, I don't know that it went down, but 10 of them got to play Fortnite where the other two had to go take a trip. No, we don't. But 10 of them got stuck. But in hindsight, folks, what did those two get to say during the triumphal entry? 20 years later, when they talked about the triumphal entry, what did those two get to say? I got the cult. I got the cult. <laughs> right? I got the cult. Those other slackers, they said, Jesus picked me to get the cult. <laughs> totally different perspective. So capture this. Why did Jesus have him do this? Well, you need to know. Because Zechariah, a prophet hundreds of years earlier, had said, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just, endowed with salvation, humble, and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the fall of a donkey. So why did Jesus do this? Because it had been prophesied. This had already been ordained by the Father. This is the way it's going. Jesus said, go do this. Now, two questions. Is the sovereign rule of God revealed in the fulfillment of prophecy limited to what has been revealed, what has been prophesied? Is it limited to that? No, absolutely not. What's the difference? <laughs> well, it's unique. It's a silly kind of question, but the unique is that we're given a preview. See, people get, and I understand, people get super excited about, oh, all these things were prophesied in the Old Testament about Jesus, and, and guess what? All of these took place in the life of Jesus. Now, is that awesome? Yes, that is, but folks, 
somehow in the elevating of that, I think we've missed all the other days. As if God had like 300 things that he could predict and would happen. And so he had to use those tokens carefully. And the rest of the stuff just goes down by chance. Or actually, are those 300 prophecies and the fulfillment of them not only an encouragement that God does what he says, but that he actually rules sovereign over every moment of every day, detail and conversation, and it is all in fulfillment of God's eternal redemptive purpose. Do you track that? You see, the privilege... As disciples of Jesus, we can go, man, every detail of every day, every conversation, but most compelling about that is that it involves every moment of that is a part, it's a piece of his eternal redemptive purpose. See, the reason, the reason I want us to understand that he is sovereignly ruling over every detail of every day and every conversation because the sovereign rule of it is because it's a part of his eternal redemptive purpose. It, it all has a reason behind it. Now, does that make a difference? Well, let me ask it this way. If Jesus in Mark 11 had said, hey, 12, <clears throat> huddle up, hey. I don't know if you guys remember this, but a guy named Zechariah, hundreds of years ago, said I was going to go into Jerusalem riding on a colt. And today's the day we got to get the colt. Anybody willing to put the video game aside and, and go get the colt for me? Now, where do they go? If you're in the huddle, what do you, what do you say to that? Yeah, I'll go. I, I want to be a part of that. See, I think in every human redeemed heart is that intense desire to say, I want to be a part of what God is doing. And somehow we've thought, well, those are only for unique people in unique moments on unique days. And we need to discard our shrunken God. We need to throw that dude in the wastebasket on the way out and go, I will. And he's going, great. Because you don't know it. But today, and all the details of it in the conversation are a part of my unfolding redemptive plan of being lifted up a savior, this king in Jacksonville. You want to be a part? Oh, I do. I do. This is the privilege, folks. And so, when we talk about elevating Jesus in this city, I want us to understand every day, every single day genuinely matters. Not just some days. Oh, power-up club's coming. Big week. That one really matters. That's from our standpoint. 
you probably, I, I, I'm going to guess the majority of you in this room can finish the sentence. This is the day the... Okay, not too much. But if you were able to, just put your hand like right here. If you were able to finish that right there. You believe that? You mean like he mass produced like thousands of days? Everyone kind of the same. But then there's, then he's a custom builder for some days. Or would it be, would it be unbelievably mind-blowing and adventure-giving if you and I realized this, today is the day the Lord made. How dare I kind of sit back in my soft little seat and just kind of slumber my way through it? How could I not be on the edge of my seat because he made today, he created a day today with a particular purpose. It wasn't just mass produced. If you're wrestling with that, go to creation. Did day one have a purpose? Yeah, actually pretty significant purpose. Did day two have a purpose? Yes, a very unique purpose. It was different than day one. Did day three have a purpose? Yes, very significant, very unique purpose. Day four, day five, day six. Oh, day seven, he didn't do anything. Oh, he did. That had a unique purpose. Do you capture that? Well, he had one week of purposeful days, and then the rest got a little fuzzy. And we don't really think that. We just live that way. We don't really think that the day doesn't matter. We just live like today doesn't really matter. Or how could we possibly kind of go through the days the way I can be just as inclined to go through my days and not recognize today is more than ah, we're going to get the afternoon thunderstorms or we're going to cook like we did yesterday and we think of, or to go God created today for his unfolding eternal purposes and it's unfolding at CFC in Jacksonville it's unfolding in the Philippines it's unfolding in India in unique ways because every day matters and a part of every one of those days every conversation matters I'm telling you, your conversation with your coworker tomorrow is no less important than the two guys who showed up to get the cult for Jesus to make a triumphal entry. If you think, oh, come on, Doug. You know, we have all sorts of meaningless conversation at work. If you think it's meaningless conversation, just remember this had a radical impact on the unfolding of eternal history. Hey, what are you doing with the cult? That wouldn't matter. 
so it might actually matter when you're talking Jags tomorrow and you go, hey, what's going to happen with the Colts? <laughs> Stupid. Yeah, yeah, no. It's just we tend to, we tend to think, oh, I had a spiritual conversation. That conversation mattered. And then we were talking fishing. That was nice. It didn't matter. Just remember, Jesus said, they're going to say, hey, why are you untying the cult? And it mattered. Conversations matter whether you think they do or not. When we lived off of Greenland Road, it was a new community. House was being built on both sides of us. Looking at the house to the left, my first conversation with the gentleman who moved in there, not a Christ follower, within 30 minutes, an unbeliever, not following Jesus, says to me, I think God placed me beside you for a reason. (laughs) And I thought, well, now I do as well. (laughs) But I got to tell you, because of that, I was far more attentive to this neighbor than this neighbor. You got people in your life. I promise you, you think, oh, I think they're close. My conversations with them matter. Ah, that doesn't really matter. I don't see any interest here. We got our Midwestern Iowa navigators with us right here. Welcome. Glad you're here. Yeah, you can. They're just like, are we allowed to clap? You, you've struck out some relationships with folks and you think some of them, oh, this was a good one. This one has eh, nothing going on there. You need to discard your shrunken God. Leave him in the waste can the way out and go, I have no idea what God is doing or where that person is on their journey, but every conversation matters. And it's not just because they're on summer mission. So you go on a mission trip, then it matters. But if you're not on a mission trip, that doesn't matter. Discard our shrunken God, folks. We're going to elevate Jesus in our city. Then we go, man, every day matters. Every conversation matters. Every person matters. Every person matters. And every moment, every single moment matters. Confession. For a long time, too many years, my Sunday morning moments, for me personally, I thought the most important moments were when I was here speaking, but not milling around. You you see, I don't go back to a green room or sit in my office or anything. In between hours, I walk around and say hey to people and meet people, talk to people, talk about fishing and Football and stuff that doesn't matter, right? But then I got enough emails to convince me differently. Hey, I appreciated the conversation. Thanks for stopping. Thanks for speaking. Didn't have anything to do with being on here. And they'd send me an email. Thanks, thanks, thanks. And I'd always reply, I'm glad it helped, but what about the sermon? (laughs) 
No, I never said that. I think I'm an idiot. <laughs> but that's kind of the way we think. Some moments matter and some moments don't. I'm going to say it again. I need to, we need to discard our shrunken God and live with a divine, we need to get up out of our seats with a divine expectancy. Head to the courtyard with divine expectancy. Head to lunch with divine expectancy. Do whatever we do. To go to family group tonight with divine expectancy. Go to work tomorrow with divine expectancy. A sense that this day has been created by God. Every person that I meet, no, no, no luck, no random, not, not by coincidence, but the Lord is sovereignly ruling in every moment, in every conversation, the vast, vast majority of it will only be revealed in eternity. But I have that sense that God has called us in a huddle and he has said, this is what I plan to do. Anybody want to participate? Yeah. Okay, you're not going to know often when you're participating. But trust me, you always are. Sweet. Amen. So I want to elevate Jesus in this city as Savior and King. You with me? Because the rest of the day matters. The words that come out of your mouth, part of what God is doing in your journey, in your neighbor's journey, in your co-worker's journey, you just don't know what it is. But he's working. So, Father, would you find in us in the coming week doing a lot of repenting of thinking, oh, that didn't matter. Oh, yes, it did. Of not living with expectancy. Lord, I pray that you would fill each of our hearts and minds with an incredible sense of we are in relationship with you, the God who is always working, who has created every day for a reason. Would you grip our hearts with that and that we would enter into it with the fullness of faith, the fullness of expectancy, that you are a great, sovereign, heavenly Father. Thank you in advance for all the turns, the stops, the people, the things that will happen in the coming week. We look forward to it, Lord, knowing that you're working in it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for being here. If we can pray with you, you know it's always our privilege. If we can help you in your journey to connect in any way, we'd love to help you. Guest reception afterwards. If you're new, love to meet you. God bless. Have a great day.